Amen. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow. And a reminder for us as a church, that really is the ultimate goal, isn't it? That we can all sit together at a common table, at the table of the Lord, that we can all gather together to be with him, that we can all get together, no matter our, our race, no matter our sex, no matter any of those other identifying characteristics that we think are so important, that we can all get together, that we can all be together, worshiping Jesus, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. I hope you guys who have tomorrow off, I don't, I have to work, but I hope that you guys who have tomorrow off enjoy your time off. And I just encourage you, look for opportunities to be unifiers. Look for opportunities to be people of reconciliation here in America in the year 2021, because we still need that. We still need that reconciliation. The work's not done yet. And I was thinking this morning, you know, all of our City Church family who are joining us today online, we miss your faces. We understand there's the coronavirus is still going on. You're staying home out of caution. We understand, but we miss your faces. We look forward to the day where we can all come together again and be at that common table. And I encourage you today, those of you who are here at City Church at at the Armory in Albany this morning, take a look around you and see who's not here and maybe reach out to them. Send them a text. Send them an email. Give them a call on the phone. Something. Reach out to them because maybe they're just being cautious with the virus, but maybe there's something going on in their lives. And maybe they really could use one of us to reach out to them. All right? So just a a little bit of encouragement there. This morning, our pastor, Pastor Mike, is down in Brooklyn at Res Church. And so in a moment, we're going to just pray for them in their service. Um, But we miss him. We love it when he's here. And we're just so excited about what this future relationship between City Church and Res Church is going to blossom into. We don't know what it'll be. We don't know exactly what it'll look like. But we're excited because God is moving. And anytime God's moving, that's an exciting time. So let's pray for Pastor Mike and their service down at Res Church. Let's pray for our service. And we'll dive into the word. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We honor you and we thank you today, Jesus. We pray for Pastor Mike down in Res Church. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move amongst them. We pray, Lord God, for miracles and transformations, lifelong transformations today during that service. We pray that you would have your way there. We pray that your word would go forth. And we're so encouraged that your word never returns void. We pray for traveling mercies for Pastor Mike. We pray protection on Christy and the kids while he's away. And we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity as City Church to come together and to worship you and to bless you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so here we are, 2021, Nathan. Okay, 2021, wherever you are, you're not there anymore. Um, We started off this year in a new series, moving from death to life. And so we're going to continue in that series today. A couple weeks ago, we talked about leaving the past in the past. And that even our past, Jesus has the opportunity to redeem it. Even our past is not out of the power and the purview of Jesus Christ. He can even go into our past and redeem our past so that we can move into a future in him. And it's an exciting thing. We've been made alive in God. Last week, Pastor Mike reminded us that we're new creations in Jesus. We are transformed for God's glory and that Jesus gives us purpose and vision. This week, 
we're going to talk about being in the middle, right? We're not living our yesterdays anymore, right? Whether you're here today or you're watching us online, I know that you're not living in your yesterdays because it's today. And we're not yet in our tomorrows. We have a direction to walk in. Maybe we have a calling to pursue, a career, a vocation, whatever you call it. But we're here today. And we're going from here to there. We were back there. We got to here. We're going that way. We're in today. And so how do we live today while it's today? One of the things I just want to remind us, Moses said in Deuteronomy 28.2, Blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. Nathan, during offering this morning, shared about how he was faithful to just believe in God. And then you know what? Blessings overtook him. The blessings were following after him, and in his obedience to God, in his faithfulness to God, the blessings caught up with him. And he said, wait, he said, wait a minute. This that I've been believing in has just happened. That's what Moses said. He said, there are blessings chasing after you, and they will follow after you, and they will overtake you. That's the future. We're no longer in the past. We're not yet in tomorrow. So what's life like today? here in the middle. And I thought of about three different scenarios of what life might be like for you. And whichever one they are, I implore you, I encourage you, grab onto that thing today. So maybe you're in your today. And when you do an honest assessment of where you are today, you say, you know what? Life is pretty good. I'm moving from glory to glory to glory to glory. Things are great in my life. And if that's your honest assessment of where you're at in your life, awesome. I am so excited for you. I think that's great. Keep moving from glory to glory to glory. Keep progressing in God. Keep moving forward. Keep doing what you've been doing. And I would encourage you to not only do what you've been doing, but if you haven't been doing this, to add something to it. And that's simply, Jesus didn't even go back to Egypt alone. He went with Mary and Joseph. And so if you're moving from glory to glory to glory right now, then look around you. Who can you walk beside? Who can you encourage? Who can you comfort? Who can you exhort? Who can you edify? Who can you build up and help them make their journey to go back and deal with their past if they need to, to face their futures if that's where they're at? If you're moving from glory to glory to glory today, awesome. Keep going keep praying, keep encouraging. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not going from glory to glory to glory. In which case, maybe if this is you, you look around at your life and you say, I think maybe I'm stuck. I don't think I'm moving from glory to glory to glory. I feel more like I'm maybe stuck or, or maybe I'm wandering. I make a few steps of progress, and then I turn and I look, and I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't get anywhere. I thought I was going forward, but I'm back where I started. I'm going around the mountain time and time again. I keep thinking I'm making some progress, but I'm not. If that's you, we're going to talk about that for a few minutes. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Moses says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities 
that you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Moses was saying this to the children of Israel, they were wandering in the desert. Think about what their lives were like for those 40 years. They woke up in the morning, and on the ground with the dew was this stuff. They called it, what is this? We call it manna. It was this bread-like substance that they didn't know what it was. And every morning for 40 years, they would go out and collect this and eat it for that day. They couldn't collect more than one day's supply because it went bad overnight. They literally had to get up every single morning and go get their daily bread for today. There's my daily bread from God. What I get to eat for today. I can't take tomorrow's. I can't take next week's. I've got to take today's and eat today's while it is still today. That's a whole lot of today's, right? But that's what they had to do. This discipline of going out each and every morning, collecting their sustenance for today and eating of that for 40 years, every single day. They had to learn to trust God to provide for them. That no matter their circumstances, no matter that they were going around the mountain another time, no matter that they were wandering in the desert, that today he provided me nourishment and believed that tomorrow he would do the same. From time to time, they would find that they were out of water as a people. And they would cry out to Moses, and Moses would cry out to God. And there are several instances where Moses speaks to a rock, and out of the rock suddenly bursts forth water for them to drink and be satisfied. They had to trust that the Lord was going to provide for them. And not only that, they learned from God over those 40 years that when things really got rough and they really got sick of that manna, just drinking bread and water for 40 years, and they really wanted something else, they complained to Moses, and Moses complained to God, and God sent flocks of quail to them that they could eat something else besides the bread for a little while. They were learning day in, day out, every single day, trust me, I've got you. You're not going to fail. You're not going to fall. You're not going to die. I will provide for you. And so Moses says to them, remember, when you get to the cities that you didn't build and your houses are filled with good things you didn't provide, remember this time. Remember what God did for you. Remember that he was with you. And the thing about remembering him then is you cannot remember God in the future if you haven't had a relationship with him in the past. When we're in those wandering times, when we're in those stuck times, when it feels like we're going around the mountain again and again and again, it's the time for us to dig into those spiritual disciplines. Continuing on in Deuteronomy 6, Moses says this. He says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give to you 
so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, And then listen to this. This is where he's talking about generating those habits. He says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. He's saying, listen, keep the commandments of the Lord before you always, right before your eyes so that everything you see, you're thinking about God. Keep them on your hands so that when you're working, whatever you're doing, you're remembering the Lord, and it's that the Lord is there who provides for you. Remember, he gave them the Ten Commandments, right? You shall have no gods before me. You shall have no carved images. Do not take the name of the Lord in vain. Keep holy the Sabbath. I translate that one as go to church. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. These commandments of God, to make them part of their DNA, they for 40 years every morning learned to trust in God so they could trust in his commandments. It's that daily bread. When you're stuck, when you're wandering, it's the time to build up in yourself those daily disciplines. Remember when Jesus was with his disciples and he washed their feet? And I forgot to look it up. I kept meaning to look it up. I think it was Peter, one of them. And so I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this part. One of them's like, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me, right? And Jesus is like, "Uh, no. Listen, he says, says, if you're clean, your whole body doesn't need to be cleaned. Just your feet. He was saying this, if you're clean, then just the part of you that comes in contact with the world needs to be cleaned up a little bit. Just that part needs to be washed off. If you're already clean, then you don't need your whole body washed. You just need that part that comes in contact with the world. That's our job. That's our job, especially us husbands. It's our job to wash our wives with the water of the Word of God. It's our jobs as fellow Christians to wash one another with the water of the Word of God. What? To wash off where the world touched them. To wash off where they came in touch with the world, in contact with the world. Because it's impossible to live in this world and not get affected by it in some way. It's impossible to be in this world and not have it touch us somehow. Right? We're not to be of this world, but we're in this world. So we're to wash one another with the water of the word. And that's what the children of Israel were learning. To trust in God to move forward in God, following that that pillar of cloud by day, following that pillar of fire by night, wherever the Lord would lead them. So if you're feeling like, right, you do an honest assessment of where you're at in life, I'm moving from glory to glory to glory, awesome. If you're feeling like I'm in in my life, my today life is really just wandering around, I'm stuck, I don't seem to be making any progress, It's a good time to dig into those spiritual disciplines, to have someone come and walk alongside of you, to help you develop those, 
so that you can move on out of the stage and get to that glory spot that's coming where those blessings that are chasing behind you will catch up with you. But maybe, maybe you look at your today life and it's neither of those, right? Life is not all hunky-dory, nor are you wandering or stuck. Maybe today is just all up in your face, right? Maybe it's all up in your business. Is that how the young kids say it? Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great storm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling with water. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now listen, I personally hear on this one, I don't fault the disciples at all for being freaked out. I love boats. I was on boats as a little kid. My grandfather had a sailboat. I loved going out on that sailboat. It was the best. But I'm telling you, these were fishermen whose lives were lived on the water. From little, little kids, these were people who were out on the water, and they were freaking out. It had to be a pretty bad storm right? These were guys who knew what to do. These were guys who'd been on the water, and they're like, this is bad news. These waves are bad. This wind is bad. This is not a good situation. And my heart really goes out to poor Matthew, the tax collector, because he must have been out of his mind, right? Just freaking out about all this. He must have been losing it because he was not a fisherman, right? So Jesus says, we're going over there, and they're like, yeah, but the wind— we're going to go over there. Yeah, the waves, the water, right? But don't we do the same thing? Don't we say the same thing? Maybe you guys don't. You know what? You guys don't. I know this. You guys are pillars of faith and you don't. I do. I have. There have been times in my life I'm like, God, I want this. Can you just do this for me? Can you just open a door here? And he's like, yeah, take a step. I'm like, great. And I take a step and, whoa, there's wind and waves. Ah, this is terrible. God. Right? And I freak out because there's wind and waves. And I'm like, no, I'm going to die. But Jesus, I'm going to die. How could you let that happen? I'm going to die. And I lose it. I know you guys don't. I know you don't. I have. I have had those times in my life where I was just convinced I was going to die. Right? Because something wasn't working out. A relationship didn't work out. A job didn't work out. I got a bad grade on a test. I didn't know where money was going to come from to pay my bills. I'm going to die. You've forgotten about me. You don't care about me, Jesus. Ah, cry, cry, cry emoji. That's been me. So I don't, I don't judge them. But when I look at these disciples, I'm like, you know what? There's a spectrum of responses they could have had here in this situation. As Jesus said, get in this boat because we're going to go over there. We've got something to do over there. There's a spectrum of responses that they could have had. And only one of those responses, I think, really would have actually been a failure. 
one of the choices they could have made would have been to jump out of the boat. I mean, quite literally. They would have been like, hey, I'm here in the boat. He said we're going to go over there. The storm is here. The waves are here. The wind is here. This is terrible. He's insane. You all are crazy. This, this to me is Matthew, right? You all are crazy, you stupid fishermen. We're going to die. I'm jumping out of the boat, and I'm going to try to swim to shore because this thing's sinking anyway. And apparently he doesn't care because he's asleep back there, right? I, that's a decision they could have made. They could have said, that's it, I'm done, right? I'm out of here. I'm going back to the multitude. I'm not going with you crazy Christians across the sea. That's nuts. I'm not doing it. I'm going back there. At least I know what's back there. I'm going to take my chances out on the water, away from all you all crazy Christian people. I'm going that way. Could have jumped out of the boat. And I know some of you are thinking this. Yeah, but Peter walked on water. Yeah, but here's the thing. If Jesus is in the boat, stay in the boat. If Jesus is in the boat, stay in the boat. If Jesus is out there on the water, go right ahead. Take your step off. Try to walk on the water to him. All the more power to you. I encourage you. I think that'd be awesome if you did it. But if he's in the boat, your place is to be is in the boat. Don't go jumping out and trying to walk on the water if Jesus is in the boat. That would have been their only failure. As if they said, I'm jumping out. Another response they could have had on that spectrum of responses. Really quite simply. Wake up, Jesus. Wake up, Jesus. Right? Listen, these are expert fishermen. These are professional fishermen. They're used to being on the water. And they tried everything. They did every trick they knew. Turn the boat this way. Do that. Bail. Whatever you do. I'm not a fisherman. I don't know what to do on the boat. I would die. I would be Matthew. I'd be curled up in a fetal position. But they knew what to do. They'd been in storms before. And they tried everything. And nothing worked. Nothing was fixing the situation. And so listen, when you're in life, and life is happening, and it's all up in your face, and nothing is working, hey, that's a really good time to wake up Jesus. Maybe that's the perfect time to go see what Jesus would do. Because if you can't do anything to fix it, just maybe he can. Just maybe. Why not try? If nothing else is working, what do you have to lose? I'm going to die anyway. Right? Wake up Jesus. It's not a failure. But perhaps there are some other choices they could have made. If you think about it, Jesus is back there sleeping in the back of the boat in the midst of a storm with waves crashing over the water. I I don't know how he could do it. I could never do it, right? Wind blowing in their faces. Maybe he was waiting to see how these disciples would respond to this flood, to this crashing waves and this wind. Another thing they could have done, another choice they could have made on that spectrum They could have stood up and rebuked the wind and the waves themselves. The disciples could have stood up and said, Hey, wind! Hey, waves! Who are you? Who are you to stand between us and the future destiny that we have with Jesus? He said when we were back there that we were going there. And we're on our way. Who are you to stand between us? Who are you, wind and waves? Who are you to think that you can stand between us and our destiny and God? We rebuke you, wind. We rebuke you, waves. You get out of our way. Because that's Jesus. That's the guy 
who healed the sick. That's the guy who healed the paralytic. That's the guy who cast out demons. That's the guy who made water into wine. Who are you, waves? Who are you, wind? I rebuke you. It could have been like little King, little king David right before he became king who stood before the giant and was like, who are you, you uncultured Philistine? To stand before the armies of God and defy them? Who are you? I've got my little sling and my stones. Who are you, giant? That would have been a pretty cool account if that's what they did. Right? I mean, they could have done that. Stood there and rebuked the wind and the waves. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Right? God will frustrate the enemy. The plans of the enemy. Who are you, wind? Who are you, waves? Get out of my way. Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, will have whatsoever he says. Whatsoever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you will receive them, and you will have them. The disciples could have rebuked the wind and the waves. You know what? I see a fourth option they could have made on that spectrum of choices. They could have decided it was nap time. I mean, I couldn't have. Trust me, I could not have. But they could have. They could have said, hey, it's nap time. Why? Because Jesus said we're going from there to there. Jesus said we're going to leave where we are and we're going over there. And that's really the end of the matter. This is Jesus. Remember, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus says, I never said anything except for what the Father told me to say. Right? That's Jesus. And so this is Jesus, the star-breathing God. Jesus, the God who speaks and universe is created. Jesus, who speaks and light is created. Jesus, who speaks in the world, everything we see around us is created. This is Jesus. And he spoke and said, we're here, we're going over there. That's the end of the story. He said it. So the disciples could have said, wow, you know what? There's nothing else for me to do. I think maybe I'm going to take a nap because Jesus is taking us from that side to that side. I don't know why this storm is here. I don't know why these waves are here. I don't know what that's all about, but I don't care because Jesus said, I'm going to go from this side to that side. Now, church, don't get weird on me here. Okay, don't get weird on me because it's important that you hear this part. This does not mean that we pretend away things. I'm not saying that we pretend away issues. If you're sick, then go to the doctor. Don't pretend you're not sick. Don't say, I'm just going to go to sleep and pretend I'm not sick and everything will get better. I'm not saying that, okay? If you're in legal problems, you know, legal issues, don't just go to sleep and pretend your legal issues don't exist. Go get an attorney. That's what they're there for. Okay, so don't pretend away your issues and call it faith. Because that's not faith. Don't live in denial and call it faith. If you've got issues, go to the professionals who can help you with the issues. The wind and the waves were real. The wind and the waves were real. 
But the thing is, Jesus could have peace in the midst of the wind and the waves anyway, because he's Jesus. We can have peace in the midst of the winds and the waves as well, because of Jesus. And we know that eventually we'll be in heaven, where there is no sickness, and all will therefore be healed. We know that in he- one day we'll be in heaven, and Jesus himself will be our advocate. He'll be our attorney, so we can be at peace. But for right now, don't be weird on me. If there's things going on, get them dealt with. We don't need to fret. We don't need to worry. We can be at peace. Okay? Don't get weird on me. One of the things that I see here, Jesus didn't rebuke his disciples. Right? I mean, they came. He, they woke him up. Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Those he rebuked, but he doesn't rebuke his disciples. He says to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And maybe, you know, maybe this is a Kevin interpretation here. Maybe Jesus said it harshly. Maybe he was like, why is it you don't have any faith? Right? Why are you so fearful? But I don't, I don't read it that way. When I read that part, I read it like, like a dad who is so disheartened, so sad for his child, right? Heartbroken for his child. Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? And when I was reading this and thinking about it, it it reminds me of something that I go through every year at Halloween. The little kids come to the house and they knock, knock, knock on the door. And there they are in their cute little you know, superhero costumes, dressed up like superheroes. And, you know, we just have the glass kind of screen door, right? There's no screen. It's just all solid glass so we can see the little kids come. And our big moron black lab comes running up. Glump, 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 glump. And just 85-pound black lab barking in their faces on the other side of the glass. And they always get scared and jump back. He can't touch them because he's on the other side of the glass. But they always jump back and they're afraid. And every year when this happens, I'll take his collar, tell him to sit, and then I'll open the door and I'll rebuke him in front of the kids. I'll be like, hey, you bully, cut it out. And the kids start laughing because I'm calling the dog a bully. And they all think it's hysterical. I'm like, you bully, you're just a big bully. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're adorable. Are oh, you a big bully, stop your growling. Right? And I, we go through this routine every year. I don't know, maybe he's trained me, maybe I've trained him, I don't know. But every year that happens. And so when I read this account and Jesus says to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It's what I think of. Those little kids dressed as superheroes. Those disciples who are just little children in their spirit, man. They're little children in their spirit. They're dressed up as grown-ups in this earth suit. But as, as men of faith, they're just little children at this point. They don't really have any faith and they're afraid of everything. And Jesus is like, hey, you don't need to be afraid. I'm right here. I said we were going over. We're going to go over. There's nothing to be afraid of because you, you're supposed to judge angels. That's your job. That's your hierarchy in the heavens. One day you're going to sit in judgment of angels. Don't be afraid of a little water. Don't be afraid of a little wind. It's okay. 
You don't need to be so fragile. You don't need to be so hurt. We're winding down. We've got a few minutes left. We're not in our yesterdays. Our yesterdays don't have to define our today or our tomorrow. We're not yet in our tomorrows, but we know we're going there. You know where you are in your today. And right now, the rest of our worship team is going to come out on the platform because we're going to launch into another song.